We followed the green blur into Coast City, past palm trees and boardwalks. We hoped to find Green Lantern somewhere in the city, but instead we found him everywhere, from the social column to a ticker tape parade. Aquaman's aquatic abode had been on the fringes of society, but Green Lantern would be a change, our first citywide hero of the Silver Age. As we watched the parade, a missile raced overhead and we scrambled after it. Wherever it went, our case was sure to follow. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. Nailed it. Yes! Nailed it. I literally practiced. Awesome. (laughs) All right. Um, Boy, we're just hitting the greatest hits here with me. This is like uh, the greatest We are like right in your happy Mm, place. mm, So happy. So happy. So we just finished uh, two episodes of Aquaman. Hope you enjoyed those with his finny friends and Aqualad and his stupid water cave and his <laughs> no money and just all sorts of weirdness. This is some some awesome shit that we're about to get into right now. I yeah. am I'm like really into it and I'm I'm gonna go into a lot of stuff after the the summary and stuff like that that like I wanna just show how on another level this this comic is. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's great, but we are doing the reboot green lantern character now so remember flashback noise uh when we did golden age two episodes ago can't be that hard for you to remember it's not we haven't really been that far out of it um but alan scott was the green lantern on earth in the golden age and alan scott had a magic lamp that was pure will and he flew around with a cape and a kind of pirate outfit and everything was great Everything was great. He worked at a radio station. He had Linda and Doiby Dickles. Oh boy, Doiby Dickles, I miss you. Uh, write me back sometime. But we have we have new taxi who dis. Yeah, new taxi who dis. Um, so we have that. That's the Golden Age Green Lantern. Now we are shifting into 1959. Again, the same year that Aquaman was around and debuted in the Silver Age, um, with just straight out showcase. Green Lantern debuts in showcase. And this is Hal Jordan. Now, Green Lantern is written by John Broom, and it is drawn by Gil Kane and Joe... Uh, I think it's inked by Joe Giella. Yeah, Joe, uh, I'm Joe Giella. I'm actually not sure. Is it Giella? I think or... it's, it might be Giella. It might be Italian. I, I was... It, yeah. He, I saw a picture, and he looked... He didn't look especially Spanish. Yeah, so it might be Joe Giella or Joe, Joe Giella. Um, but those are the two artists, and John Broom is the writer. Um... We're probably going to just like jump right into this because, again, it's the first time we're seeing this character, so there's going to be a little bit of a longer bit here, but I want to kind of get into the summary and then do a recoup instead of like we did last time. Um, Joanne looks ready. She's primed. She's got like a like some serious equipment over there now. Like It used to just be like a notepad and a typewriter, and she's got like a lot over there. Describe in further detail. Like, it's, it's you know those electric typewriters? a scene picture. Paint, paint me a word picture. Um, she's got one of those, like, electric typewriters now. Okay. And, and she's Does got... it still make the sound fine? Click, 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 click. Yeah, noise, but it's and then like... Ding? Yeah, I, I imagine so. But it looks right. more machine-like. Like, it's more covered. Like, you know how those old typewriters were, like, a lot more, like, uncovered and you could see mm-hmm. the little things hit? But this has got, like, the plastic around it. No. Uh, uh, like, the base... Those aren't as cool. They're not as cool. I'm not... I'm not saying they are but it's like got that beige plastic around it mm-hmm. her chair is nicer like our, our chairs are nicer too our desks are metal and not wood you know they got those right. little metal drawers on mm-hmm. our lighting's kind of shitty we have more lighting but it's shittier 
Like, all right, the, the, yeah. Like, it was cheap. We got it cheap, I guess. I don't know. I don't remember. It just, <laughs> it was there. Um, but yeah, she's also dressed much snazzier than usual. And I think it's just, uh, she's she's more with the times now, Joanne. Remember, she's better rendered than she was previously. Apparently she's taking uh, style tips from Carol. She might be. Carol is quite the classy dame. And we'll get to that in showcase number 22, September and October 1959. We are shown a couple things here. There's a couple, there's a couple scenes that we're seeing. First, in the splash page for the title, we see Hal Jordan in a test pilot uh, craft thing. It's like a little tiny cockpit. Um, and like the kind of thing you'd play Mech Warrior at, or I guess BattleTech. Yeah. At like one of those arcade parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's one of the, it's just a con, it's a confined and contained just cockpit thing that he's in. And then you see Abin Sur, who is this crash landed alien, calling to him with his powers of his ring. So Abin Sur crash lands on our Earth. Abin Sur is just a bald humanoid looking alien man. In the comics, he is drawn like kind of, I want to say like. Not pink and not purple, but like the red in between. Yeah. Um, kind of carmine? Sure. Salmon-y almost? Oh, yeah. The, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A little like, like a, a dark, dark salmon. Yeah, dark purpley salmon. Um, Imagine, if you will, the darkest salmon. <laughs> the darkest of salmons. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, apparently that's one of the things that Tycho does, uh, or uh, <laughs> micro, uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry Holkins does on... Uh, uh, acquisition Inc. Uh, <laughs> Imagine a dark Walmart. <laughs> I like it. Um, so Abensor has crash landed on our planet due to atomic rays or radiation bands from Earth that naturally emanate, which have crashed his ship. And he is here on Earth dying, and with his last breath, he has asked his power battery, which looks like a Green Lantern, to seek out someone who is without fear, who is also incredibly honest and fearless. Uh, enter Hal Jordan in his test pod at Ferris Aircraft Company, and he's just minding his business, doing his job, when the test pod is lifted and brought out to where Abensur is. And Jordan takes us all very well. Remember, he's man fearless. Fear. And he sees the injured man and tries to help him. Hal is given the lowdown as to what the power battery is, and then he must recharge it every 24 hours, and then Abensur basically says, yo, it's your job to take up my job, which is to patrol space and fight injustice and evil doing here's the ring it does whatever you will it to do i'm dying be a good person don't screw it up pretty much it's, <laughs> it's pretty like thanks space dad yeah thanks so long and thanks for all the fish and he passes away in front of hal jordan hal is very taken by this moment and puts on abin Sur's uniform not sure where he gets his uniform i'm assuming he just takes it off of abin Sur. yeah um so he strips the dead alien naked he was told to apparently off panel <laughs> right um uh, and takes the gear puts it on himself fashions himself a mask realizing that he'll need it when he fights evildoers and tests his ring out by lifting a small hillock with nothing but his will and he's in awe of the great power that he now has, and he says he vows to take up the alien's cause in honor of him and be a good person. Hooray! Good good on you, Hal. Like, that's a pretty straightforward, nice thing to do. That's the first story in this showcase. Then we move on to the next story that is directly next to it. Remember the Aquaman's showcase stories? We had three-part stories. This is kind mm -hmm. of the same thing, except they're not directly, like, part one, part two, and part three, but they seem to be chronologically happening one right after the other. Yes, they're throughout this we're going to see a much stronger sense of not 
continuity per se per se but definitely like a day serialization i suppose yeah like it like a day-to-day almost like week-to-week thing in between certain issues so hal in the next uh story uh, meets carol or we are introduced to carol when hal goes to see her carol is the boss's daughter of the ferris aircraft company she also happens to be seemingly like the day-to-day manager of him and a group of other test pilots hal and carol obviously have some sort of flirtatious That's actually an interesting point i don't yeah know. we don't really know what her job is but it, he she seems to have authority she, she certainly has authority i'm not directly sure whether like whether hal and other folks are or specifically hal is part of her chain of reports yeah but it's it's never really tender? established because it's not important until That's a true. couple of minutes later <laughs> or in a couple of minutes mainly because something happens but we get the impression that hal and carol are casually dating she mentions mm-hmm. that they're not supposed to spend time together at work however off hours she's totally okay going out with him they kind of have this flirty uh intimate physical interaction between the two of them um hal gives off this kind of like aggressive man vibe but carol seems to be kind of into it um they're adults mm-hmm. whatever and Hal observes, and Carol does see this as well, that the Flaming Spear, which is one of their prototype aircraft, is crashing. Uh, And Hal sees this as a perfect opportunity to become the new Green Lantern, as he dubs himself, uh, off of the power battery that looks to him like a Green Lantern, coincidentally, and save the day. Um, Carol turns around. Hal has done the Batman thing and just disappeared when he was talking to her. Or the Superman thing, depends on, you know, your preference. He's disappeared... And he goes to rescue the Flaming Spear rocket, does so, and finds out that it had been knocked out of the sky due to some saboteurs who were shooting some radiation at it. Um, He thoroughly trounces them, brings them to justice, and he returns to Carol after he has done this to find that her father appears. And he says, hey, Hal, that was some crazy stuff that just happened at our, our, you know, base. Hooey. And he goes, yeah, that was super weird, right? That green dude just totally came out of nowhere and saved the day. And Carol, of course, is all taken with the Green Lantern because he's so mysterious and cool. Carol's dad drops some news. He goes, you know, this all made me think about how I'm going to die someday and I want to, like, live it up. So I'm going to bounce for, like, two years and travel the world. In the meantime, Carol is in charge of the company as a whole. And there you go. And Carol's like, cool, thanks, Dad. And Hal's like, all right, that's neat. Like, whatever. I like Carol and I like you and... Apparently, no one seems to have a problem with Carol being in charge, so presumably she's good at what she does. So, Hal then goes like, all right, like, let's go out for that drink that we were talking about. And she's like, uh, no, I am now your boss, boss, and uh, no more flirting with employees until my dad comes back. And he's like, I can't go out with you for two years. And she's like, yep, and that's it. That's kind of the end of that storyline. Uh, a thing I forgot to mention in the first story with Abin Sur... Abensur mentions to Hal that there is a yellow impurity within the ring material that is essential for it to work but makes it not effective against anything yellow. That will be important forever Mm -hmm. in Green Lantern comics. And it's interesting because that first story, I didn't notice anything in there that like seriously changes. Certainly the nature of the impurity changes. Correct. But... All of this, like you've already got the, uh, yeah. you've already I'll, got the I'll, Green Lantern oath. Yeah. All of that stuff, it hasn't changed. It's rather on the nose. Yeah, I'll definitely go into that at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next story uh, in Showcase Twenty Two, we see the first appearance of the said Green Lantern oath that Matt just mentioned in Brightest Day and Blackest Night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evils might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. And Hal uses that phrase 
whatever he charges up his ring. We see more that Carol kind of hopes to really meet Green Lantern and kind of take him out and see what he's kind of made of. So there's a socialite ball that she thinks that apparently Green Lantern is going to be at and Hal's like, that's news to me as the Green Lantern. So he decides to make an appearance. He dances it up with Carol. They're having a great night. Everyone's kind of having fun. But then a missile kind of like shows up. And after having a tender kiss with Carol while he's kissing her and he sees the missile, he goes and flies off to go save the day again. And Carol's like, well, how rude is that? We were kissing and he flew off. And he saves the day and that's great. And he stops the bad guys from, you know, uh, launching another one. It's a man who is uh, attempting to blow up the building entirely with the rocket for unnecessary, not-needed plot. But Really, very few of the villains throughout all of this get much screen time at all. Right. And honestly, I think it's probably stronger for it. Right. Um, however, cool note, though, during this time, Hal turns like the defensive mechanism that the mad scientist has from solid-state metal into just water with his ring, which is super interesting. And again, I will go into that later. But he returns back, and Carol is all miffed that... Green Lantern ran out on her when they had their special moment. So Carol and the Green Lantern are starting to have their relationship kind of really become a thing. Hal seems to be taking a sideline, and he's just like, hmm, well, at least I get to spend time with her as the Green Lantern. Uh, showcase number 23, November, December 1959. Uh, Green Lantern Man About Town in Coast City, also the first reference of Coast City, is in this issue of Showcase, mm -hmm. where that's kind of where they are. Again, uh, we kind of talked about this kind of feels like san diego a little I mean, bit like that makes sense a southern a uh, west coast southern city in california near where they have a lot of the naval bases or air bases we kind of have that a lot in mm -hmm. southern california so presumably kind of like san diego because it's got coronado and then and like an air base a little bit further in and stuff like that so that's kind of think about that when you think about coast city Mm. Um, the city doesn't really have much personality at this point yeah though. not as of yet but we do kind of see that green lantern is just like kind of going on dates and being seen out with people and women at parties and just like not like carousing like you would imagine bruce mm -hmm. wayne would be but just like green lantern on date it's like the like the saturday morning post like kind of weird paparazzi shot like yeah. how is just going mm -hmm. on dates with women as green lantern like going to get ice cream going to dinner going to in the park for a walk like nothing salacious or scandalous but just like dude the superheroes dating just like all these chicks what the hell's going on like normal outdoorsy just oh i'm going yeah. to spend my social lifetime as this superhero right it's very interesting and carol is not happy about this <laughs> so she is all in a kerfuffle because green lantern is spending time with all these other women and not her so she kind of goes over uh, to Hal, who mentions that Green Lantern and him know each other because she she mentioned like an incorrect fact, and Hal kind of corrects her, and she's like, "Well, how do you know?" And he goes, "Oh, Green Lantern and I are friends." <laughs> uh, so he kind of you know screws that up, you know, great in a fight, but not not too bright on his feet. And uh, Carol goes, "Oh, well, if you're such friends with him, why don't we all have like dinner together?" And he's like, "Shit!" <laughs> so he's trying to figure out how to have this stupid Archie comics moment play out. Well, when in the meantime, uh, the Lantern itself tells Hal that Venus needs his help. So he goes to Venus. He flies to Venus with his Lantern ring, and it makes a little pocket of air around him. And he flies from Earth to Venus in like an hour or something it's not given but like quickly that he can make his date later that day so fast enough um the lantern translate the language of the translates the language of the venusians on the planet so that he can understand them 
And uh, he saves some people from, like, dinosaur things. That's pretty cool. And it's neat and awesome, and they're yellow dinosaurs, so he has to kind of, like, circumvent the fact that they're yellow and, like, scare them with, like, a giant bird. It's kind of awesome. And then uh, he kind of traps them in a thing, doesn't kill them, because he's a good guy, and uh, goes back and sees the Venusians are celebrating, and he goes, well, that's it, that's my exit, leaves, and then goes to the date just as Green Lantern, because, like, he's smart mm-hmm. enough to, like, not try to do that bit by himself, and uh, Carol and him have a great time, and she's like, well, I'm so glad it's just Green Lantern. Um, in the next story in that showcase, Green Lantern gets summoned uh, by the newspaper to, like, meet someplace for an emergency. Um, while he's going to that location, he sees an invisible sort of man. Basically, the entire guy's skin portions of his body are missing, but you can see his clothes. So it's like the invisible man walking mm-hmm. around. And uh, this is apparently the invisible destroyer that the newspapers have been reporting on. And Hal's like, well, I should just stop this guy because he's a bad guy. They get in a fight, and then he disappears. The Invisible Destroyer just kind of pops out of existence, and Hal's like, well, that was weird. All right, and then flies to where he was supposed to meet this urgent meeting, and it turns out it's a scientist who's like, look, I'm concerned because whenever I fall asleep, I think I create the Invisible Destroyer out of my brain, and Hal's like, wow, this is weird, but sure. (laughs) And sure enough, the scientist does do that. By the way, the Invisible Destroyer's initials are ID, like the id. Well done. So I thought that was fun. Well done. Uh, Damn. So, the Invisible Destroyer is created when this guy kind of goes in the zone when he's, like, doing mathematical formulas at his uh, lab. And Hal's like, holy shit, this really does happen. And gets in a fight with the Destroyer and realizes that the Destroyer is a creature of pure energy. So, to defeat that, he should make some anti-energy with his ring. And does so, and the Invisible Destroyer is destroyed. And the guy is safe to go into the zone when doing math forever. Showcase... Number 24, January, February, 1960. Happy New Year. Carol wants to marry the Green Lantern. She has even asked her father if it's cool. And he's just like, yeah, sure, sweetie. I'm like, you know, in Barcelona. I don't really care. (laughs) Um, And she's like all in on this relationship, despite the fact that we've only really seen them like hang out like three or four times. It's It's, rather abrupt. Right. It's interesting because there's no time for a status quo to get established. Yeah. There probably will be one in a bit, but for now, it's just... Yeah, we, Going. presumably, if we've seen Green Lantern Man About Town in Showcase number 23, there have been several days, if not weeks, that have passed that yeah. he's been going yeah. on dates. And maybe he has gone on dates with Carol, maybe just not as frequently as he's been kind of playing the field, because that's his right. And Carol seems to be disinterested in how Oh, Jordan. that's true. By this point, we haven't seen any, we've only seen the one out-and-out out date. Right. So oh, no, I didn't even think of that. Um, so, well, they met at the party and then they had the date. So mm-hmm. maybe they've gone on dates. In fact, Carol mentions that while well, they were on, uh, like, a date in the park, they were having a nice time. And then a guy's, like, a guy's, like, drowning and GL saves him because he's a superhero. And she's like, and that was really great and all, but I wish he had paid more attention to me. Um, meanwhile, she goes to the hangar bay where Hal Jordan is working because he has a job. And... She says, hey, by the way, Hal, can you go deliver those army plans that we had for that rocket thing later today? He goes, you got it. No problem. And he realizes he doesn't have the plans. And he's like, what the hell happened there? And he's been pickpocketed. So he uses the ring to bring back his memory of when he probably got pickpocketed and finds the guy. Which is a cool thing. It's so awesome. And he goes like, oh, that must be the guy because that guy bumped into me and he was the only guy who bumped into me all day. And I had the plans on my person. Stupid. Hal is not very smart. Again, (laughs) great guy. Seemingly pretty dope, but like not the brightest bulb in the shed. So Hal's like, well, I got to find that guy. So he goes back to the circus where he was that day, I guess by himself, like a grown adult man would do, is go to the circus and fair. Um, And 
finds that guy and realizes that there are people who are trying to send the rocket plants to a foreign government. Oh, gee whiz, as Green Lantern appears at the fair, guess who's there? Carol Ferris. Carol, of course, wants to spend time with Green Lantern, but of course he's too busy trying to save the fucking world. <laughs> and he kind of spends some time with her a little bit, and he's like, yeah, sure, let's hang out on this bench right here where I can look around surreptitiously at a bunch of other people so I'm not, like, not, not doing my job, but you know what I mean. And, um goes to save the day and Carol is just frustrated because she thinks that Green Lantern is going to propose to her while they're doing this. And he's like, why would you even think that that's going to happen? This was really weird. He's very confused by the end of the the issue. And uh, bottom line, he saves the day, but he hasn't proposed, so Carol is now miffed at GL. Next story, Carol asks Hal to drive her to this company merger that's happening in another town. Meanwhile, while they're on their drive, this is super shitty, she tells Hal about this dream that she had where she was going to marry <laughs> Hal. And Hal's like, this is great. Like, she actually is like, coming around and she wants to be with me. Because, meanwhile, we haven't really said this, in all the other issues, Hal is like, I want to marry Carol. I love her. She's the best. How can I, I get her? I don't know if he said that specifically, but certainly how can I convince her yeah, that... I'm the we, guy. That I'm the guy and that... Frankly, like, the idea that she shouldn't date uh, her subordinates, that is something that she should... Right. Yeah, he hasn't said, like, I want to marry her, but he's definitely, like, very taken with her, Mm -hmm. very smitten. He probably loves her. Yeah. Um, There's no reason to suggest that he doesn't. I would even take the probably out Yeah. Um, And he's like, this is awesome. She's had a dream about us getting married. But she then goes on to explain that during the dream, she's trying to marry Hal to get Green Lantern jealous. And when Green Lantern doesn't appear at the wedding, she starts to cry. It's marriage chicken. Yeah, it's really intense. (laughs) And she then realizes, like, while they're getting married, someone gets in danger, and then Hal turns into the Green Lantern in front of her, and she's like, so I was just wondering, are you the Green Lantern? While he's driving on a mountain road, and he's just like, uh, oh my god, what happened to the road? Because, (laughs) thank god, deus ex machina happens, and the road seems to just have disappeared in front of them, because... A giant monster, obviously, has been recently seen in the area and is destroying a bunch of stuff. As Carol faints when the car is flying off the road, Hal uses his ring to make, get them to safety and make sure she's okay and go like, wow, these are some big-ass monster footprints. Guess I should turn into a Green Lantern and save the freaking day like I do. Does so. Finds a bunch of scientists who are like, oh my god, thank god, Green Lantern. Uh, we made a monster in a test tube by bombarding it with cosmic rays and it's like terrorizing stuff. Can you help us out? And he goes, yeah, sure, let's go do a thing. So... They go and find the monster, and he goes, how did you make this thing? They're like, in a test tube. He goes, hmm, cosmic rays? Maybe if I just put it in a test tube in reverse and keep it from cosmic rays, it won't get any bigger. Does that, and it works. Wait, is Hal smart now? Well, I mean, he <laughs> made the test flyer thing that that uh, we saw in the very first. He made that? Step. Yeah, it said of his own de- uh, design. Oh, wow, well, yeah, so, so Hal yeah. is smart. And, and also, like, you don't get to be a pilot without yeah. being smart. So he's intelligent, just not wise. He peacefully subdues this monster who's like, oh, gee, thanks, man. It was getting out of control, and I was growing at a rate I did not like. Thanks for, like, making me not a monster anymore. And he's like, no problem, guy. Uh, oh, well, you're puddle now, so I guess I don't have to thank you. And everybody's okay. Carol's safe, and Green Lantern saves the day. Now we move to Green Lantern number one. So remember when Showcase number 24 was in January and February of 1960? Green Lantern number one is August, July of 1960. I forgot there was that long of a break. There was Especially a long... between the... Th- there were three issues of him 
uh, in showcase. So it's not like, okay, like the time delay of, oh, people really like him from the first issue. Right. It's no, there's just that long of a break. There's there's a back-to-back three huh. showcases where they're like, do you like this guy? And even at the bottom of the last showcase, mm-hmm. they're like, do you want more of him? You know, let us know. And apparently people did. So issue one of Green Lantern, uh, July, August, 1960, we see the first appearance of the Guardians on Oa, who are in the Green Lantern lore, the guys who basically make the Green Lanterns. They have said, hey, you know, um, the guy who took Ab and Sewer's ring, we should probably check up on that guy, because, you know, we've seen him do some stuff, but we just kind of, like, want to vet him. Maybe we should do that more frequently, as opposed to just letting people take our rings. I don't know. So they summon, like, what's a, the equivalent of an astral projection just made out of energy. Yeah, oh, that's a good way to describe that. To Oa. So Green Lantern, or Hal, is living his life unbeknownst to the fact that he is also on Oa. And they're like, hey, um, we're the Guardians. We just want to, like, know what's going on. How you doing, buddy? Uh, how did you get the ring? Because they're trying to test to see if he's honest. And he basically rehashes the whole origin story, because remember, this is several months later, and they're trying to get people into this character. So they're going, here's his origin story. And they're like, yep, that checks out with everything that we saw. Pretty cool. Um, you're honest, and you seem to be doing some cool stuff and saving people, so we're going to send you back without any knowledge of this happening, but we just wanted to, like hear it from the horse's mouth whether or not you were cool or not so thanks and then the the image goes away and the guardians are going okay that was cool i guess we'll just keep monitoring him now we'll send him that distress signal that was in his sector also the first mention of sectors oh yeah and they go okay so now that we think that he's cool let's give him some more responsibility to handle in his sector so hal is then sent from the lantern that gives him this uh, information which is hidden in an invisibility field that he has created with the lantern with the, with the ring to go to a planet and uh, fight a monster that is terrorizing some people. And he kind of freezes it so that he doesn't kill it because it seems to be like heat-based and he just makes it really cold and puts it away. And he's like, awesome, nobody died and I didn't have to kill a thing. Flies off. The next story in Green Lantern number one, there's two stories. Carol rehashes the relationship with her and Green Lantern. So like you kind of get to see, Mm -hmm. now you've seen Hal's side of the story. Now you're seeing, oh, this is his, for lack of a better term, his girl or his love interest. This is how they're connected. And she just kind of laments the fact that they're not together still. Um, In this, Green Lantern battles the Puppet Master, who is a villain who uses a hypno ray to get people to do his bidding. And they kind of feel like they're marionettes while they're doing it. He kind of ruins a date between Green Lantern and Carol. That's kind of shitty. Um, but Green Lantern ends up beating him and kind of using the ring to make him walk like a marionette to the police station. I thought that was kind of some poetic justice. Mm-hmm. And hooray. That's Green Lantern number one. So I'm going to do a recap for this character now that we have done this because we kind of did that with Aquaman. Powers. Hal Jordan has the power ring and the power battery. The power ring allows him to do anything he wills it to. So literally do anything kind of like alan scott's ring except that was kind of magic this is a power battery not a magic lamp this is science it's quote-unquote science and it was part and parcel somehow connected to ab and sewer who was also connected to the guardians on oa there is mention of sectors the green lantern ring must be recharged every 24 hours there is a yellow impurity within the metal that the ring is made out of that is necessary for it to work however it makes uh, Green Lantern's abilities ineffective against the color yellow. During these stories, some things have like, oh, there's a yellow tip on the rocket, so he can't just like stop it. So he has to make like a net to stop the body around it, or um, he has to make springs to stop this car at the fair at the fair from falling off the roller coaster because the car is painted yellow. So he's got to stop it from the bottom. 
little things like that. Um, pretty simplistic uh, obstacles that he that he has to face. However, he has to get creative with the solution. Like the dinosaurs were yellow, so he had to make a giant green bird that would be a quote unquote predator to them that would freak him out because he couldn't actually interact with the monsters or the dinosaurs. So the relationships we have, we have a clearly established relationship between Hal and Carol, pre-Carol being promoted to the boss of the company. And then we now have the Green Lantern-Carol relationship, which is after she's boss, because he's no longer, because he's not an employee of her company, and because he's awesome, he's Green Lantern, he's a superhero. And then also Green Lantern just dating around, because he can. Green Lantern is a public personality. Mm -hmm. People are totally cool with him, not in the way that they are with, like, Batman. It's almost kind of like a Superman sort of deal. Um, well, we, we haven't seen some, Superman. some versions of Superman. We there is yeah. the point where Superman uh, gets a uh, arrest warrant out for him. Well, we haven't seen Superman in the Silver Age yet. True. I'm assuming Very Superman true. is kind of like GL right now. Yeah. But at the same time, this guy, who is essentially a vigilante, shows up and is not at odds with the police. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Comics Code. Also, we're seeing a lot of Comics Code stickers on covers and things like that, just to note. Mm -hmm. uh, Coast City, we show, which is, again, forever in the comics. Coast City is his Gotham, his Metropolis. Um, so, this is, as Matt said, part and parcel. All of this is just straight-up Green Lantern lore that has, like, not been changed since the character got created in 59. Like, you know as much as you need to know now... To, like, know who Hal Jordan is in the Hal Jordan the Green Lantern Corps comic. Granted, there's been 70 years of plot up until this point, but if you saw Hal Jordan, you'd be like, I know who that guy is. Nothing about that character has changed. Mm -hmm. Like, things have happened to him, but this is where he comes from. This is straight up the original origin forever of this character, and it's never altered. Also, there is a huge meta plot going on. Because... They totally have the Lantern giving Hal orders. And then they reveal that the Guardians are doing that. So the Guardians are giving Hal orders. They just gave him a job interview. There's Sectors and there's Abin Sur. So right off the bat, their uh, Broom is telling you there is a much larger world mm -hmm. than just what you're seeing. But I'm slowly giving it to you as Hal is getting it. Which is something we've never seen in any other comic. The hint that the world is much larger than just this character and it exists and functions beyond him. We've never seen a character like Hal either. Hal is like a man's man type of character. He's suave, he's kind of smarmy, he has he, nicknames. He's for very Carol. Han Solo. Yeah, he has nicknames for Carol. He calls her, you know, Sugar or Doll, and she seems into it. Like it's it it's it borderlines that like aggressively sexual thing um kind of like where he kind of puts his arm over her shoulder one time to talk to her um to like so that she's kind of pinned to a wall but she does not seem phased by it this seems to be their back and forth play that they have been okay with because carol seems also very effective at speaking her mind and setting boundaries because when she says no flirting with hal jordan she clearly meant it because she doesn't really flirt with him anymore she seems to be in control of that situation, and Hal seems to respect, if, it, while not liking it, seems to respect that she says, oh, nope, we can't date this way, and he's wait, he's willing to wait those two years. <laughs> he doesn't like it, though. <laughs> so I'm going to disagree partially. Uh, I have a big old chunk on all of that, so we can, mm -hmm. we can jump into it right now if we want. Uh, just one more thing. 
um, about the, the secret identity partial uh, portion of Green Lantern. Hal is exactly Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. There is no difference between the two. It's just him in a uniform. So we don't have a situation like Bruce Wayne and Batman. Bruce Wayne is the lazy layabout playboy, and then Batman mm. is this really smart, on-the-nose, courageous man. Green Lantern's just Hal in a, in a suit. So Carol, if, if she loves Green Lantern, she loves Hal. Or if she loves Hal, she loves Green Lantern. It's very interesting mm. that we have... There's like really no difference between the identities other than just like, nah, it's just me in a costume. So I'll agree. I think... Even beyond that, like, I did some thinking about exactly that kind of thing. Uh, Hal is a, or rather, uh, Green Lantern is a distillation, I suppose, uh, a vertical slice Mm -hmm. of Hal. Uh, He is Hal in a context where he is just doing, like, superheroic things or making, like, suave public appearances. There is no mundane day-to-day. However, like, if you took... How and you've just cut all of the other stuff out, you are left with Green Lantern. It really, and it it does kind of show because this whole time through, like, it is very clear that at least, especially back in the day, uh, they were very much together. Like, she loved uh, Hal, and it's not like, it's not the Peter Parker situation, it's not the Clark Kent situation, it's also not the Lois situation, Mm -hmm. where they are... uh, intentionally changing their personalities yeah. uh, to be lesser to deflect attention. It is very much, here is this superhero who is a distillation of yeah. this character. It's him on the job. Yeah. And it, that's actually an interesting bit. Like, you could probably get a lot into, like, questions about how valid some of these relationships are of, uh, women, or more generally, the love interest and the superhero, who they don't see in all aspects. It's like the like I I I think we have it as part of like our generation's canon that you should probably move in with somebody before you get married, so, so that you know who they are, uh, or if nothing else, like spend a whole bunch of time together. So it's not you have the the entire picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that she doesn't know his secret identity, but she really wants him to propose, there's probably some interesting psychological stuff, like right. just un- understanding uh, healthy rom- uh, romantic dynamics. Right. However, she does, in fact, know him. So that's the interesting thing <laughs> there, there is, is that. that. There she does that. exactly know who he is. She just doesn't know that that's him. Yeah. So she, well, yes, it's it's kind of ill-advised that she wants to marry this person that she's only gone on dates with and doesn't really, hasn't like spent any real time together with she actually has because she works with him she's gone on dates with him previously they presumably know each other very well to the point where they love each other before this and it seems like she is switching to to green lantern because he seems to be a little bit more exciting that and and that's i think the more applicable bit Mm -hmm. like understanding the both the desirability and potentially the double-edgedness of only seeing people in that context right uh but yeah so here's fundamentally this is going to be messy this is going to be messy and the thing i'm going to like i mentioned earlier han solo this is empire strikes back Mm -hmm. uh if i could like sum this up in one bit it's that these are things that there are dynamics in play here that are 
kind of uncomfortable and only work because we know they work. Mm -hmm. The only reason that these things are okay is be realist. Really, there there are some extenuating bits, but really boils down to we know that they love each other and they would actually be happier if they were together. So hooray, it's okay that they're the way they are. So fundamentally, like the. There are two questions that, or two questions that need to be answered with this. Mm -hmm. uh, the first is, is Hal crossing lines? And the second is, is this power dynamic okay? Right. Uh, and I'm just going to start with the first one because it's the big one. Uh, the axiom that I hold to is fundamentally, if they're both enthusiastically consenting to the actions being taken, then there's no issue, right. especially in a comic that's essentially a fantasy. So I, I agree it's probably not. But fundamentally, what it boils down to is there's a general set of recommended guidelines of what power dynamics are okay, and then there's the exceptions. And right. I, I know people who are the exception, and it worked really well for them. And mm -hmm. they it wasn't an issue, and they were upfront about it with HR and with each other, and they worked it out, uh, and it was fine, uh, despite one person literally being the other person's lead. Mm -hmm. uh, and it worked, and more power to them. Right. Uh, and that shouldn't be off the table. Again, this right. is one of those: if both people are enthusiastically consenting to it, okay. Yeah. If they're if like they're married, and they're like, this isn't going to affect our work. We promise to HR, and HR knows ahead of time that these two people are married. Then like, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to work with each other, as long as they don't make it weird for everybody else. And and as long as it actually doesn't become an issue. But right. yeah, exactly yeah. that. Uh, so, I mean, the general rule of thumb is, of course, don't date people who report to you or, like, try to leverage that or do anything that could be even feel like you're leveraging that higher power position to get stuff. I mean, we are literally recording this as the Harvey Weinstein thing is yeah. going on. Don't use your power yeah. for evil. Do not, do don't. not, yeah, do not and abuse don't even, your authority. And don't even... Don't even put yourself in a situation where someone else will feel like they are compelled, even if that's not your intent, to do something because you have that power differential. That's a bad thing. That being said, like, it is possible. It's also, in this particular case, it's a lot of the power dynamic issue is sort of neutralized because the woman has the superior power in that work relationship. She is the boss, uh, which, if nothing else, we don't think of women is abusing that power as much right uh, it's entirely possible but that doesn't yep. seem to be the uh the the standard when these types of issues come to light it usually yep. seems to be a man doesn't, exactly doesn't that. mean a woman can't but men usually do it anyway so it's kind of more of the given rule mm -hmm. um, but in this instance Hal does not seem to be doing anything like he's not sleeping with her to get ahead in his job and she doesn't yeah. seem to be like if you sleep with me i will like take it easy on you at work they seem to be pretty much just like well, I'm done flying planes for today. Are you done doing whatever it is you seem to do here? Do you want to go grab a drink and get some dinner? Like, that seems to be the, the, the dynamic. And they also clearly have a trusting relationship. The other thing that's worth noting in this, like, power differential situation is while Carol doesn't know this, we as the readers know this, and that makes all the difference, Hal's a superhero. Yeah. She's his boss. He's a superhero. As powerful people, oh, yeah. they're... More or less on a level, uh, right. even if even if the characters don't know that, we as the readers understand that, and I think that actually does matter. That context yeah. does matter, and also it means that Hal can't—he has something to fall back on if he ever feels pressured. It's just like, no, yeah. I, I I'm a superhero. 
so one way or another, I, I don't feel like the power differential thing is an issue here. That being said, remember, in your own lives, be aware of such things. Right. But in this case, not something I'm worried about. With other stuff, uh, I mean, a lot of it comes down to what we see on screen at points versus what we see the rest of the time and what we read into it. Because there is there is one scene that feels bad. We've mentioned that most of the time it's just, hey, do you want to... I, I, I wish that we could date even though you don't want us to. And that's a little bit weird. It's the mm-hmm. Urkel situation. But the one that stands out, you talked about uh, the scene where he, he basically boxes her in against a wall and... Uh, before that, he like comes up behind her and kind of puts his hand in, hands around her on, over her waist. And this is after uh, it's been made clear, hey, she's the boss and she doesn't want uh, to be in a relationship with him. And like his body language is very much aggressor in that one scene. Yeah. Only the one scene. And hers is, I don't have time for this. Uh, or... Yeah. It's dismissive. Uh, dismissive. If That's a good way to put it. She's just it's, like, Hal, you know we can't do this. Like, knock it off. It's, and, and she's got that mm-hmm. kind of face. Yeah. Like. And there are two ways to read that, And unfortunately. The, the two ways are that is the defense mechanism rather than, like, hey, get your hands off me. Uh, using a, like, the equivalent of the I have a boyfriend defense of this is a way of right. defusing the situation. Just I don't have time for this rather than, hey, Get off me, creep. Yeah, I, I'm looking at the page right now, and she's definitely got her hand on his arm, and knowing Carol the way we've seen her in the comic at this point, I get the impression she's just, like, lowering his arm, like, mm-hmm. all right, knock it off. And, and that's the thing, yeah. is on the one hand, it is this situation where all manner of warning bells are going off in my head, but it is just the one scene, and she yeah. is dismissive rather than... Feeling and admittedly, he never does anything like that ever again that we've seen. That is, so he kind of seems to so take important. the hint. He goes mm-hmm. like, "All right, yeah, we're not doing that." And like, he's like, we, "Our old dynamic is no longer a thing." Because in the next panel, he is further away from her in a conversation than I think we ever see him. He's sitting on the desk across the way. And oh, is that like, one of the few like wide shots yeah. with both of them in it? And he is the furthest away from her that he ever really gets. Because I think, in in my mind, he got the message. Fundamentally, what I keep coming back to on this is if everything about the way she carries herself is that she's fine with this. Yeah. However, they are things that would feel uncomfortable and line crossing. Yeah. But through the lens of time, mm-hmm. not okay. However, if this is the established relationship that these two individuals have, and it is okay with them, mm-hmm. then we are not anyone to judge because it is their relationship. Yeah, it, it is fundamentally, fundamentally, it feels like it comes back to uh, respecting the agency of this fictional character and seeing how far that fictional asterisk makes it. Do we, does, is this an okay portrayal? And fundamentally, I, like, I, we made the Han Solo comparison, and there's a reason for that. There is a lot of uncomfortable stuff in Empire Strikes Back. That being said, there is a read of it that uh, of the movie and that whole relationship that changes a lot and makes a lot of sense in light of one of the extended uh, or uh, yeah one of the extended scenes that sort of ended up on the cutting room floor. So there's the scene where Han comes up and kisses her uh, when they're still back on Hoth, and in the extended scene, uh, like he 
pulls away, and then she uh, she says something like, uh, "Well, hot shot," and reaches in and kisses him, mm-hmm. and then C three PO interrupts them. Right. And uh, I don't know her name, uh, but. Uh, props to Julia of Fundamentals.com. Uh, no last name written, but she puts forth the idea. You know, like I kind of read this as they were screwing before. Yeah, they. they, they, they like, yeah. It wasn't a like she puts forward the idea. It wasn't a relationship. Like they weren't dating. Han actually wants it to become that, but and has difficulty. Like she, uh, Leia isn't emotionally available. Right. Uh, but they're yeah they they they're bumping and. With that read, that same kind of read in uh, Green Lantern, it makes a lot of sense because it's oh, like this is the dynamic they had of the boss's daughter and the dashing rogue, yeah. and a lot of people find that kind of roguishness and uh, line pushing attractive. Yeah, and in that phase in the relationship, that might have been okay. That might have been what they enjoyed. In yeah. which case, great, more power to you. And then it's negotiating. Uh, the, the relationship yeah. after that. Now that things have changed, okay, what do we do now? What's okay and what isn't? And it's reasonable for that to be a conversation that has slip-ups as long as both people are okay and have the right to say, nope, no longer, no longer. Right. And the reason we're talking about this a lot is because this is the first time we've ever seen a relationship like this in superhero comics in what we've read. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to kind of shine a light on one, a progressive feminine character who is able to establish boundaries and kind of ha- and has a lot of agency, who is also the boss of the superhero mm-hmm. and good at what she does, and also kind of weirdly like teenage girl smitten with the superhero identity mm-hmm. and the straight up like stone cold fox dude. Like we don't have that with currently right now. Like how in the lore of DC has always been traditionally treated as how was the hot guy of the team. And and I'm kind of curious to, like, part of me wonders if we're reading too much uh, maturity into it. On the other hand, this is the first hero that we've done that with. Right. So, all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very curious, and I think we should also probably have Arden weigh in on this at some point, just as a different relationship dynamic. They are, they are definitely, at this point, the sexiest couple that we've encountered. Like oh, they, yeah. they, they oh, are. God. Yeah. Oh man, the art is gorgeous. That's the other thing. Like the reason that mo- so much of my notes is about their relationship and their dynamics and the art of them is because it's the best part of this yeah. series. I actually do think if you didn't have uh, that relationship, this would be okay. Just another superhero dude. Yeah, because he's still doing like trick powers by and large. The tone is more dramatic. It's more showcased, but without like. The laughableness of the lobster uh, yeah. uh, interdimensional folks, uh, but There's by and large, yeah, it's not like it's just a more dramatic superhero story. We don't even have like full issues that are just one story, like Aquaman did. The only thing that makes it really good is this, and it sizzles. Love story seems to get as much play as the superheroics. Yep. Yes, it really does. It's like fifty-fifty. Like some issue, like one issue will be like. Most like the Oa issue with the mm-hmm. with the lanterns and the guardian, and the guardians and, and like meeting him and everything had very little Carol in it. But then like the next story was all Carol talking about their relationship. Like they are making a point of making their relationship matter mm-hmm. and like be a cornerstone of these two characters. Again, 
we haven't really read Superman at this point yet. So maybe Lois and Clark are doing the same thing. So they're trying to capture that kind of mentality that people like. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I'm, I'm trying to remember because I did read some Superman stuff while doing like broader context stuff for Aquaman. And I feel like it was more jokey. Right. Because you had the, uh, the mermaid uh, who he fell in love right. with. And it still felt more child More, more fable Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. This is like almost romance novel levels of oh, sex. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And it's really interesting and hilarious because it's like, wow, all right, cool. Like, I guess we're doing this now. This is like the, the Safeway literature that you see at the checkout counter sometimes. Just like the book with the sexiest image that they have on the front mm-hmm. written by someone who's like written 40 of these. And this just happens to be the story that they're doing now. It's like superhero Amazon bestseller. Yeah, it's it's the Amazon bestseller, like you know, uh, the superhero pilot, and it's like mm-hmm. Hal's jumpsuit with his ring. Oh up yeah. On there. Oh wow! Like on the bedside table. Yeah. Like that's it. There you go. Somebody write that. The Harlequin novel. Ooh yeah. Yeah. We're done. Right. There it is. That's you can't get better than that. But yeah, the uh, art is incredible. Like, oh, yeah. lots of emotion, lots of physicality. Flying looks normal for once in these. Yeah. Like, it looks like flying kind of does now. Like, nobody's got like the superhero poses, but he doesn't look like he's dashing in the air. Yes, like Alan. That's did. Like, true. Yeah. Alan looked like he was leaping and like floating forward. Hal looks like like he's doing a full body plank flight thing, mm-hmm. and it looks more normal. It's the Superman pose, more yeah. or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll also, uh, I'll even go a little bit further with the comparison as a romance novel like art because so much of it is close-ups. The key thing is like the shading is really good. The detail on the faces is great. Like even, even background faces are pretty detailed. I especially did a comparison to like Spider-Man stuff. Like you remember how kind of like golden age faces would get a little bit sketchy yeah. in the background? It doesn't do that in here. Yeah. This is visualized. And on, oddly enough, like, so the one character who is like super, super flat uh, is always uh, Green Lantern mm-hmm. in the Green Lantern persona. Right. Oddly enough, like his face just looks super flat. But uh, Carol, like there aren't a lot of like shading lines for like your cheekbones or anything, but there's so much richness on especially the way her hair is drawn and yeah. uh, her lipstick. Right. She's always wearing black lipstick with that uh, highlight on the lower lip. The sheen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the 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 hair is just gorgeous. It's got like it's a little bit curly. It's it's like one more curl in it than Veronica's hair. Mm. Uh, it's got like the curl down at the ends and one over by the forehead. She's got like the Jackie O kind of look going on, like the Jackie oh, yeah. Onassis look. A little bit like that. She's not got like she doesn't have like the pillbox hat or whatever, but she mm-hmm. she looks very professional woman of her of yep. her era. God, and one one of my favorite panels is actually when she Oh yeah. Yeah. So when she is uh calling to Hal like, Hey, can you drive me to a place? And he's like, Hey, I'm in the middle of a test flight, let me uh, spell out okay with and skywriting with the smoke. Such a such and a class move. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> fucking awesome. Uh, but she's wearing basically I, I think of it as like junior Carmen San Diego. Yeah. because she's wearing a red dress that's got like the belt the wide belt in the middle, so it almost looks like a blouse and a skirt. Uh, and she's got a yellow like undershirt for the yellow highlight, and she's got black gloves. It's it it exudes power and femininity. She looks kind of super villain ish. Yeah. Uh, but also at the same time, it's an aeronautics company, so it fits thematically mm-hmm. with like the work that they do there. So yep. she's she's styling and profiling over there, yep. and 
looks great. And again, Hal is also dressed well when he's yeah. not in when he's not a pilot. He's like in a, a button-up shirt, suit jacket, and slacks. And the like, coloration of the suit jackets is great. Like the yeah. first one that he wears is like prince purple, mm-hmm. and then later on he's got a brown uh, he's got a brown one, but he also has like a, a blue jacket, and it's just perfect. It's really interesting that these are probably like the most good-looking characters we've seen that also dress well and like are totally comfortable in their bodies and what they're doing like Hal takes to being GL like a duck on water he's Mm -hmm. like oh yeah I'm a superhero now not like oh my god these fantastic abilities he's like holy shit I can lift a mountain this is great and just like starts doing good like he needs no inciting event that's terrible to him he needs no personal tragedy nothing bad happens to him Hal just is like yeah I'm going to be a good person now and stop crime and stuff. And I'm like, that's awesome. And I like that. There's there's not many characters anymore that are just good people mm-hmm. for the sake of being good people. And I like the fact that, like, the sexiest, like, ladies' man character is, like, also, I have a heart of gold. And it's like, yeah. good for yeah. you. <laughs> You're a keeper, dude. And, and it doesn't hurt that the art is good. Oh, yeah, the art's awesome. Like, yeah. the, the monsters are really cool looking. Yeah. And, and the... Uh, the giant blob monster is like he is grimace purple yeah it's awesome there's they're all they're all different looking you know they there's a style to them the planets look different than earth and they have Mm -hmm. like you know geography um there's just so much going on even the guardians look really cool you know they're traditionally those like little tiny blue smurf guys Mm -hmm. but they look exactly like that like forever in the comics and it's like the designs never changed. They yeah, kept the aesthetic. That's a good point. Yeah. They kept the aesthetic and like mm-hmm. updated the aesthetic, but they're like, no, this is how everything looks. We're not changing that. And I think it's so awesome. There's a lot here that's just really cool and really exciting. Even the stories are like solid pacing. Like they're, they're not mm-hmm. terribly mm-hmm. amazing, but it's there's that weird continuity that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. The um, the key thing is they don't overdo the main plot yeah. and take time away from like what we actually care about the relationship yeah. between these characters they hit their punches they hit yes. all the punches and yeah. they land and they're good and that's mm-hmm. solid like i'm i'm really into how john broom's writing yeah the art is really great so these are like if you have the opportunity yeah. these are some great comics to look up just because wow like mm-hmm. what a little lens through time kind of a thing uh, I'm gonna really quickly like just sure. blaze through. I've just got just a few little things about the creative team, uh, and then I think we do recommendations. Sure, and then we're good. Cool. Uh, so first off, speaking of the penciling, uh, so Gil Kane will uh, twelve years from this uh, pencil the first major comic that didn't have the code's approval, which is the story where uh, where Harry overdoses oh, on pills. The Spider-Man one. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so Gil Kane has done a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, or yes, I think I no uh, did a bunch of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I think he did. Yep. Uh, John Broom, uh, who was the writer for it, he'd been writing way back in the day. He'd been writing comics as early as 1936, apparently. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, he co-created Detective Chimp. Yes, Detective Chimp <laughs> is awesome. He also wrote a whole bunch of Flash stories after the re- right after the reintroduction, like in the first showcase showcase number four, uh, where uh, all the, all the stories are Flash. First one was somebody else, and then he wrote the second story in there. Um, that's about all I have here, so recommendations. I finally completely read the Court of Owls storyline for DC. They're in the New 52, Scott Snyder. Um, 
I, I recommend it because it's really well written and it's very interesting and it makes you think about a lot of stuff and there's so much time and effort put into that storyline. It's really cool. Um, I'm, I'm working my way through The Night of the Owl, which is all the crossover events in DC that happened at the same time. So like the Birds of Prey, Nightwing, Batman and Robin, uh, Batgirl crossovers, like all of that in one book. I still kind of stand by the Court of Owls thing that we said before where like it doesn't seem to have changed the status quo at all. However, there's some good writing in that in there and there's some really interesting like delving into Batman's psyche and having Bruce question a lot of things that I think is very interesting and I want to see more of. It's good. It's worth picking up. I would recommend it if you're looking for more newer Batman stuff in the new 52. So that came out like 2012 so like maybe you know four or five years ago something like that uh you should definitely read lumberjanes lumberjanes is awesome oh, uh, that, just, yeah, yeah it's, it's worth a read like it's just kind of a, a nice little world and kind of a it, it's a nice feeling mm-hmm. thing uh i haven't thought about it a ton but it, it it felt like a nice place to visit what i am going to mainly recommend though uh american alien we've already talked yeah. a little bit about this uh but i don't think american alien makes a ton of sense as a history of Superman. So the whole thing is it's like uh, snippets, vertical slices of Superman growing up. It's a coming of age story that is somewhat uh, sequential, but mostly it's, hey, let's do like six or seven stories from various periods when he is growing up before he is Superman, Superman. Uh, It doesn't feel thematically in tone necessarily with what, with our conception of modern Superman kind of but it feels a little bit off but as like a meditation or essays on this is what it would be like facing the challenges of raising superman of being the kid with powers of uh being uh clark kent and finding out like oh people like lex are out there people like bruce and ollie are out there trying to figure out how to do things uh I really liked it for that. Mm-hmm. It like there are moments in there that are really good. There is a essentially like a photo album moment of all the stuff, all the articles that the Kents kept when they were grown of their relationship, uh, and it was really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Think of it like an Elseworld, and it's yes. it's just fantastic. Oh, it works perfectly. Like there's story. also definitely a lot of t- a lot of human moments in there a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of clark centric stuff yeah it is a story is, about clark yeah it's it's primarily clark based as opposed to a story about superman yep. so i think that serves it very well and i think that'll do it yeah i think that'll do it um i'm just so excited to do more green lantern this is gonna be so fun and then we're gonna do flash after that and then probably flashbacks yeah flashbacks um and then probably another uh justice league member where then we're probably gonna do the justice league mm-hmm probably batman and then superman and then we're gonna start doing like some like straight up silver age heroes like metamorpho and stuff like that and just like get weird get weird and look at everybody who's around and like go back to hawkman and see how hawkman's different you know in in the 60s as opposed to like you know Mm -hmm. just a jerk who reincarnates um (laughs) we're we're in it now we're in the thick of it and it's gonna get wild and crazy and it's gonna get great so I, i hope you're ready for that uh Again, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and DCDetectivesPodcast.com.
As Green Lantern dealt with the missile, we watched for any sign that would give us flashes of Alan Scott's mystic green fire. Instead, we retreated to an emerald air show of a new design. The crowd cheered and GL waved, rocketing away to thunderous applause. Matt and I hailed a cab, instructing the driver to follow the hero's green contrail into the growing twilight of the night.